to the Catholic National Athletic Association's podcast, Overtime. We talk about the unique challenges of running an athletic department at Catholic high schools. We also feature athletic directors from around the country and identify best practices for successful high school athletic departments. If you would like to submit a question or suggest a topic idea for the podcast, please email info at thecnaa.org. That's I-N-F-O at thecnaa.org. I-N-F-O at thecnaa.org. All right, we're here at the CNA Retreat here. We are here today with Ron Nachetti. Uh, He's the executive director of the California Intergalactic Federation, the CIF. Uh, It's his first year as the CIF executive director, and Ron is already doing a great job running one of the largest high school athletic associations in the country. We're extremely grateful that you took the time out of your schedule to speak with us today. Mr. Nachetti is talking about current issues in education-based athletics and considerations uh, schools should make around this topic. Obviously, current issues in education-based athletics are facts that Catholic athletic departments need to consider. So, Ron, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's great meeting you. Um, so, can we talk a little bit about just your background? Sure. Um, you know, it's uh, no secret I was, I was raised in, in Catholic schools, um, you know, from the time I was in, in elementary school and, uh, and went to a high school in San Francisco and the Catholic University and then, uh, and then worked in Catholic schools at uh, Sacred Heart Cathedral in San Francisco and Jesuit High School in Sacramento. Oh, great. Um, and that was, my, that was my experience until I got to the CIF. And, you know, something that's also given me a unique perspective in the CIF is I've had uh, two daughters that have gone through the public school system. So I've had the experience as a parent from from the public school side, and and what are some of the differences? Uh, what are some of the benefits? Some of the challenges? So it's it's given me a unique perspective to do what I do today. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so can you take me through some of your thoughts about issues in education-based athletics? I think just the idea of, of getting people to wrap their heads around the fact that what we do with our 1,600-plus member schools, and we have over 835,000 student-athletes, 65,000 coaches, is it has to center around the educational philosophy of our of our member schools. Yeah. And I think that's what sets us apart from other youth sports programs, which can be great programs, but it's not education-based athletics. There's not always the teaching that goes along with it uh, outside of the, off the court, out of the pool. And so I think we always have to bring it back to that philosophy of what are we doing that uh, makes it work for high school campuses. Yeah, and you're talking about student athletes, meaning and, and student being the imperative word there for you. Absolutely, it's yeah. it's academics first. You know, yeah. and we know sports are an important part of a student's life, but there has to be that balance, and not just academics, but you have to remember these are anywhere from 14 to 18 year old young men and women who who want to just be kids too. Yeah, and you know maybe they don't want to play sports, you know, 24 seven, 365, and yet there's there's that push for that almighty scholar. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think we're missing a lot by by pushing them in that direction, uh, nonstop, and specialization and other things like that. So you obviously have a big heart for this issue. I think it, it, you've been in this job now for a year. Um, what, what 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 was the thing that made you have that big passion for you know being a student athlete? I mean, is this your background as well? Yeah, I think it. You know, growing up, I mean, that's I, that's what I did. I played sports. Yeah. You know? And the difference was, it's whatever sport was in season is what you played. And I think you know that's I. I this is a personal philosophy, nothing, no data to prove it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also why we see so many parents today get wrapped up in what's going on because. 
I think everyone's put all their eggs in one basket. So course, if you yeah. have a bad basketball season, well, there's no, there's no next sport. It's, it's, wow, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we're not going to get a scholarship. And the fact that the words being used are we, mm -hmm. um, you know, sends a whole different message. Where when we played, it was, hey, if you, you know, you moved from football to basketball to baseball to softball to volleyball. You did everything. You know, and I think the students are missing that experience today. Yeah. So, so some of the main points about being a student athlete today, well, is it competition? Is it academics first? I mean, what are the, what are some of the things that you find? You know, I think if you, it depends on who you ask. Mm -hmm. You know, if you ask the students, uh, what, why do they play sports? Mm -hmm. um, the thing we hear most common is it's fun. Yeah. And they're with their friends. Yeah. You know, they want to be part of something bigger than them. They want to be part of a team. They want to be engaged on their school campuses. Unfortunately, a lot of times you ask the adults involved in the equation now, you know, why do your kids play sports? And it's, well, we're hoping our investment in sports is going to pay off with a scholarship. Mm. You know, and it's more, you know, the terms we're starting to use, and it's, we have a great program we're doing now with our schools called the Inside Out Initiative. And it's that whole idea of we want coaches who are going to transform the lives of our students, not coaches who are transactional, where they see the, the student athletes as, well, I want that, that student athlete because they're going to win me a championship versus what am I doing for those student athletes to make them better people? Mm. So, what are some of the trends that you've seen that have changed education uh, based sports? You know, I, I think it's, um, again, I mean, it's no secret the specialization has definitely changed, you know, and uh, and we have to look at ourselves honestly, too, and say, have we contributed that, you know, by having more championships? And, you know, we have. And so I think we're trying to rein that back in a little bit and, and you know, move our seasons up so that there is a little less overlap. Um, but I think sports specialization is a, is a huge shift. I think the other big shift that we're seeing is just, you know, the teacher coach, um, mm -hmm. you know. All of my high school coaches were teachers on campus. So right, I wasn't right. only account accountable to them after school. If I wasn't doing something I was supposed to be doing on a school day, they were right there to They see knew that directly. Too. They were the ones telling exactly, you. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And, yeah. you know, I was one of those. And, uh, you know, it's um, my daughter is, uh, is getting her master's in credits right now and wants to be a high school biology teacher and coach. And that's the one thing we're telling her is you need to coach on the campus where you're teaching. Yeah. You have the power that you have to influence lives in such a positive way. It doesn't always happen when you don't get that opportunity. Not to say that off-campus coaches, there's great people out there that mm -hmm. work all day long in, in, in great fields that give of their time. And that's, that's a fabulous thing. But we have to remind our schools that uh, it used to be the opposite. There were 70% were on-campus teachers. Now it's 70% are off-campus. And just be aware of that and make sure that we're getting the right people. Oh, wow, that's a big – yeah. So what, what is it now? Is the percentage yeah, changed? We have, we have less than 30% of our uh, of our high school coaches are on-campus teachers now. Wow, that is yeah. a large dip. Yep. Wow, yep. that's crazy. And like I said, the on-campus or off-campus people that do it, they're great. Yeah. You know, but we have to make sure that we're just – we're vetting properly and getting the right people with our kids. Yeah, it just makes it harder to – just you know, keep the kids honest. You know, like that they're really doing that student Absolutely. thing first. Absolutely. Uh, can you elaborate on what you mean by sports specialization? Sure. It's you know, I mean, it used to be like we talked about earlier, where they would, you know, most most students would play multiple sports in a year, mm -hmm. and uh, and now because people have the fear of being left behind, if if I don't choose one sport at mm -hmm. a very early age, then. 
you know, I may not make the team. Right. And, and okay. there's, you know, you, you see constant comments from, from coaches at higher levels saying they want students to play multiple sports mm-hmm. because it's teaching them how to win in different sports. Yeah. It's teaching them how to compete in different sports. They don't get burnout. We're not seeing as many overuse injuries with, with student athletes that play multiple sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and our philosophy has always been that it, it's who wants to play the sport. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have someone that just is that dedicated and that's what they love and that's what they're passionate about and that's what they want to do, well, then, you know, that can be a little healthier. But if it's the adults in their lives that are being the ones to push them to do that, whether they think it's right or wrong, but the only way you're going to get to be a starter on the varsity or, or, or get a college scholarship is to specialize, you know, I, I would hope people start to look twice at that. Yeah, I mean, so why do you want them to take a second look? What are some of the negatives that come from that specialization? Well, I think they miss out. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have, um, you know, when I was an athletic director, we would do exit interviews of, mm-hmm. of student athletes and we talked to them and say, what's one thing you would do differently? And so many of them would mention, you know, I would, I would have played more than one sport. I would have got more involved in things outside of sports on my campus um, yeah. rather than just putting everything into this one effort. Um, so I think that's, that's the negative is, um, we're, we're losing the, the opportunity for them to just be high school students. Right. Yeah. So what are some of the positives of, of, of trying different things? What do you take from that? What, is, what can the students take I, from know, that? I think you never know. You don't know until you try it what you're going to be good at. And one thing we always hear is, oh, well, you know, if you haven't tried it before, you're in sixth, seventh grade. Well, I'm sorry, that's too late. Right. You know, I've, I've seen experiences with my own children. Mm-hmm. You know, where we thought they were going to play one sport, and then I had one child that was a volleyball player and played basketball, and all of a sudden she started playing water polo. And I laugh because I barely know how to swim. I grew up in San Francisco. There aren't any pools, you know, yeah. and, and she ended up falling in love with it, you know, and that's her passion now. And if she wasn't given the opportunity to say, yeah, you know what? It's a new sport. You're in the seventh, eighth grade. Give it a shot. Yeah, see what you think. You know, and now this is, this is what she loves. And she never would have had that chance if it would have been, sorry, we've already invested too much time and money in volleyball, so that's what you're sticking with. Right, yeah. You know? So we talked about the changing trends, one of which was specialization, one was the, the uh, on-campus on teachers. There were coaches. Right. Uh, what, what are some of these issues and these changing trends? Uh, what, what are some of the threats that they pose to schools? Well, I think just the fact that it's, it's you know, uh, we see the line between education-based athletics and, and other types of youth sports. It's, it gets blurrier and blurrier yeah. versus, you know, it used to be a very clear line, school sports are school sports. And so I think it's just schools need to just be reminded about what their mission is and what their purpose is and to find the right adults uh, to lead that with yeah. their students and, and to know when, when they're maybe pushing too hard. Uh, how about just simply listening to your team mm-hmm. and listening to your students and letting them have, have a little voice in the, in the conversation? That can always be a good thing. Do you feel like when you're advising a lot of these administrators and, this, and these teams and uh, different schools, and th- are you hitting the same kind of material with everybody all the time? Then you want- I, I think so. I think we're trying to put a consistent message out there that um, you know, it's about engaging our students in something. Yeah. Whether it's sports, music, drama, speech and debate, um, you know, it's it's about finding what interests them and engaging them. And I think also, you know, connecting our students to their schools. Mm -hmm. You know, we have an issue in our state with there's a lot of kids transferring every year back and forth between schools. And, you know, if they really, truly felt connected to their school and their community because their school has all their teams do some sort of service when they're within their community. Um, you know, they talk to them about why you play high school sports. 
uh, I think you have to develop that connection to their teachers, their coaches, their their friends, um, you know, their administrators to where when things don't go well, the first answer isn't, well, let's find somewhere else. It's, hey, you know, you're going to have adversity in your life and how do we work through that? Right. You know, yeah. and that's a growing experience. You know, you grow from failing. Mm -hmm. And I think now when people fail, they just say, well, I'm going to move on. Mm-hmm. Well, can you tell me, so what are your thoughts about the CNA? You're here for this retreat, and is sure. this your first one? Uh, no, I've been, to, I've been to several since, I think I've been to everyone since I started. I've, I've known Leo Lopos, who started this for many years, and he's always been nice enough to ask us to attend. And, you know, we've always said, and what we do, and, and Roger Blake, our executive director before me, always said that any, any organization that is involved in education-based athletics, whether it's an individual school, a league, a coaches association or something like this association, if they ask us to come speak, we, we'll be there. Yeah. You know, the more we can get out in front of our membership to, so they get to see that we're not just the people behind the scenes that tell people they can't play or they can't do yeah. this, <laughs> but that we're actual people who, who are passionate about this, uh, about what we do. Right, yeah. What is the CNAA doing well? I think just the fact that they're having the conversations, they're they're talking about best practices. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're they're getting anytime you can get athletic administrators in a room uh, to talk about high school sports and education based athletics and and what they need to do better. Um, and what they and also celebrate what they do well. Uh, that's always a good thing. I mean, just the camaraderie it develops. It's nice to see people. When I was in that room, you see rival schools sitting at the same table. Yeah, it's great to develop those relationships. So when something maybe does go wrong in a game, you know the person. Mm -hmm. You know, and and so I think that always is helpful. There's not assumptions about what they are. You actually know them. Yeah, that's huge. I think that's yeah. that, that that's that goes across industries. It goes across you know any fears people have. That's meeting the person behind it often will change the game. Absolutely. How can the CNAA partner with state associations like yours to help make student and staff experiences better? Sure. I think I think you know they're they're doing it right now by by sharing with uh, with us um, their issues that they have and and talking through those issues and and when new bylaws go into place you know we need to hear from all our different communities you know like i said we have 1600 member schools yeah. um you know our our private schools our christian schools our catholic schools um you know may, our religious based schools make up 25% of our our population of schools so they need to be part of the conversation and and they need to share with us uh you know, their thoughts and, and where they want this organization to head as well. So being here, are there things, and we've been talking for a little while, and are there things that you're here to talk about or to be here for that, that maybe we've missed that you'd like to share with the listeners? You know, I think we, uh, when I did the presentation today, we talked about the usual, what are some of the voting items we have coming up, championship mm -hmm. events. Um, you know, I think that one of the biggest things we're talking about, we're battling is uh, being able to attract and retain of officials, sports officials. Mm. You know, because the fact is the way they're treated by fans and by parents at games um, and frankly sometimes even by our own coaches and players it's just not acceptable yeah. it has no place and it goes back to the whole idea of this is education-based athletics mm -hmm. you know and just because you buy a ticket to come in doesn't mean it's a professional sporting event where you can act and say and do whatever you want sure and so i, I think our schools we're, we're hoping to get our schools to take a more active role in educating our communities about about what it means to be a sport parent yeah and basically just supporting your kids your coaches your teams and you know, it's. Um, I'll tell you, it's. I'm at games now, and it just baffles me that how inappropriate adults act. <laughs> you know, it, and then you know if their if their children would act like that at home, I mean, they would ground them. 
Right. You know, yeah. and it's, and it, to be honest, that's kind of the point we've gotten to where we're asking our schools, you know, kind of, you're going to start grounding parents, you know, when they don't act the right way at games, they're not going to be invited back, mm-hmm. you know, and we have every, the schools have every right to do that say who can, who can come watch the games on their campus. That sounds like it might be some treacherous territory. <laughs> it is. You know, it's, it's absolutely hard, but you know, it's what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we went through, we talked about where we laughed is, you know, that's being present. Yeah. And being near student sections and being near parents makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And our schools, a lot of times, we go to games and, and you know, they're spread so thin and they're doing so much on their campuses that we need to help provide resources for how some strategies on how to be more present and mm-hmm. to put some rules in place so that when they go up to a parent saying you're going to have to leave, it's, I'm sorry, but this is a CIF rule. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have no choice but to enforce this rule. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be able to give them that. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I like thinking about that. I mean, that's a hard issue to deal with and, you know, kind of molding the parents as well. But it's, I think it brings it all back to what you said originally, which is that they're student athletes. So it's, it's education based. So, right. you're, I mean, obviously there's an argument to be made of, well, if they really were to get a job in the NFL or the NBA or something like that, maybe you're educating them towards more realistic like you know situations but i think the point is it's not that though it's still students it's still education-based sports right and so i think it's kind of cool that you're doing that i mean it's it's got to be difficult work oh there's no question and when we get to you know we get to our state championships we're talking about the best officials in the state of california right really really good yeah and what's what's always funny to watch is every call they make there's 50% of the crowd thinks it's wrong. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they, they can't be wrong all the time. No. You know, yeah. in fact, when you look at the video and film, they're right mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. Are they going to make mistakes? Absolutely. You of know, course. we tell our coaches, yeah. I can't, I, when I was coaching, I made so many mistakes in the course of every game, mm-hmm. putting the wrong sub in at the wrong time, calling the wrong play, just like officials make mistakes. That's, that's sports. Yeah. That's, that we're, it's a, it's a business where, you know, in a lot of our sports, I mean, take baseball, for example, you, you fail seven times out of 10, you're a huge success. Yeah, you know, we're yeah. going to make mistakes. Yeah. I was laughing about that batting average thing. Yeah, that's, that doesn't absolutely. seem like any job has that kind of, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Kind of numbers. exactly. No, that's great. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. That's been Ron Nachetti, the executive director at the state CIF office here in California. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the CNAA podcast, Overtime. Stay tuned for more episodes each month featuring best practices for managing high school athletic programs at Catholic schools. If you have questions or topic suggestions for the show, please email info at thecnaa.org. That's info at thecnaa.org. And let us know what you think.